it's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you made a horror movie on your phone or your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a long-running franchise, update it, and add a twist you can see coming a mile away and yet make it feel fresh? Why you get Jigsaw. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. And this time, we're talking about Jigsaw. Yes, the revival of the Saw franchise. For those of you that are not very familiar with this franchise, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, uh, it started quite a bit ago with the original Saw, which was a very, very, like new experience and a lot of people say created the torture porn genre or at least the start of it see as much as they are a horror movie honestly it's a lot more of like a suspense film than anything else with kind of horror elements more maybe more like a crime drama if you really think about it because it's always about the police chasing jigsaw while you see people go through these horrendous fucking traps and basically get limbs torn off or heads torn off or whatever crazy ingenious thing and it became less about the story than it did about the traps like how can we make this so much cooler where the first couple of films and well i would say the first two and then the fourth one are truly like great films uh a lot of people may not agree with my opinion about the fourth one but i think it's the second best in the entire franchise saw is of course going to be one of the best films that you will see like straight up like great movies it's a twist that you can't see coming uh and it's just like really super interesting the whole lore that they set up with everything uh and just the acting is fantastic you got danny glover like randomly showing up in a movie after you hadn't seen him for a long time or for me hadn't seen him since well predator 2 or one of the lethal weapons i don't remember which one maybe four or maybe three i don't know came one of those things he's getting too old for that shit Uh, but it was such an interesting film an interesting premise and the way that jigsaw works and they did really good job of kind of expanding the character within the first four films uh after that it kind of just drops off like the fifth one isn't bad but it's not that great and then the sixth one is pretty bad and the seventh one ugh. That one's just fucking awful. I mean, it was the seventh film of this whole series. Like, it was really starting to kind of run out of steam. And that one was done all in fucking 3D. And it just, I don't know. It just got really annoying really fast. And I know that there's somebody that will argue with me and say, Hey, it actually wasn't that bad. And you know who you are. I'm talking to you specifically. Okay? We talked about this. But it's, you know... The lore of Jigsaw is kind of what keeps me going with this franchise. And 
in response to this film coming out, I originally did a whole like, okay, I'm going to watch all of them back to back. And it may have not been the best idea. Because <laughs> after a while, you kind of get desensitized to what's going on. And as the quality goes down, you kind of go, why am I watching these again? But you power through it. And at least I got to see the end of the series. And it really kind of sucks. Because when you finally take Jigsaw kind of out of it completely it loses a lot of its steam. I mean, you still get a little bit of the story pieces and not saying that Jigsaw doesn't show up, but when he's not in control of what's going on, it just felt like it went way downhill. And so after its last film, which came out in 2010, they decided that they're going to reanimate the dead and bring back the Saw franchise. So originally it started back in 2004. Well, technically 2003... If you think about the short, that's kind of like some people see as like Saw, you know, 0.5 or Saw O or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Uh, But from that spawned Saw in 2004, and they came out every Halloween after that. So for every year from 2004 until 2010, Jesus fucking Christ, there was a Saw movie. And I personally did not see all of them in the theaters. I think the last one I saw in the theaters was Saw 4. Uh, 5, 6, and 7, or 3D as it's so-called. I saw them here at my house, you know, especially once Netflix got them all and then Amazon Prime got them all. And I honestly missed this when it hit the theaters. I really wanted to go see it. I just could not find time. I know, I know, I spend a lot of my time watching these fucking movies, but, you know, this is what I do for the fucking podcast, okay? But... I really should have found the time to go out into a theater to experience with a group of people rather than watching it, you know, at home with the decent sound system and stuff like that. It may have lost some of its charm, but as we will talk about this, uh, Jigsaw is truly a film that has a lot of strengths that I believe can revitalize the franchise. Now, I will give this warning right away. This is a film that I think you should see. It is something that if you haven't seen it, um, I would say, unless you really don't mind and you want to hear the perspective and then go watch the film, but honestly, like, take the time, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back and listen to it and see if you, you know, if what I say or what I think about the film maybe matches your own. And I'd really like to talk to you, some of you guys, about this film. Uh, I know there's someone in particular that I'm going to be talking to once I'm finished releasing this podcast. Uh, And, uh, you know, I want to hear your thoughts and opinions on it because it's really, you know, not everybody loves the Saw franchise and the ones that did really were like super excited that this was coming back. And then there are people like my wife, which are like, why? Why would they do this? Why would they bring this thing back? And honestly, I think you can do so many things with John Kramer Jigsaw uh, that it just seems like it could be endless. And again, like I said, that character is so fucking cool. Like the whole idea of why he kills and well, he doesn't really kill, right? It's all set up, you know, these big ingenious traps are set there so that these people really think and are like, okay, you know, if they actually did it the way that they were designed, majority of these people would survive every fucking trap. But that's not human nature. And that's probably what the coolest thing about it is that, you know, one time he is kind of an evil son of a bitch because he makes these fucking traps. And it's pretty obvious that they're going to do what he wants to. And he truly is. I'm not going to argue the point 
you know, whether or not he's actually killing people, because in my opinion, he is, right? He gives you a choice, and you have a chance to get out of it, but ultimately, he's the one that designed the trap, and it's gonna fucking kill somebody, okay? And and some of these people that he picks, they're not really worthy of living, uh, and that is kind of also a question brought up by this film, but that's more towards the end, and when we get towards the ending of the film, we'll talk a little more about it, unless I forget, and then we won't talk about it at all. Uh, before I start too, I want to apologize, uh, to Ben that I did not add the clip from end of days saying that, uh, Arnold, he tells Satan that he's a choir boy compared to him and then proceeds to attack Satan to which he gets his ass kicked. So I forgot to add that clip in there. It actually was a part of my notes. And I think when I was just going through and taking it out, uh, (laughs) I totally forgot to put that in there and put it as part of my clips and then just kind of rolled with it. So uh, if I forget something that is, you know, let's say funny or something that you thought I might add, you can always hit me up with it because Ben sure let me know. So Ben, uh, that one's for you. And uh, don't forget about Taco Tuesday because, you know, we need to make sure we go out one of these days. Uh, (laughs) So how about we get on with the film? Again, warning If you have not seen it and you've never listened to this podcast before, I am going to go through everything that has to do with this film. So if you're just interested in listening to it because, hey, I wasn't sure if I wanted to see Jigsaw or I'm not sure if I'm going to and I'm going to give this big review and this big spoiler, then perfect. You know, go ahead. Keep listening. Otherwise, please pause it now and then go watch the film and then come back to this. Uh, I won't be mad. And I think that it's one of those films where to truly enjoy the full like experience of this episode, please go watch Jigsaw. It is available now. I'm not getting paid for this, but it is available wherever you can find your videos, no matter how you find your videos to watch later. From here, then, we get the title screen for the movie. It, you know, Jigsaw slowly comes out. And then, of course, we go in and we begin the game. That's always the big thing about a lot of these films is the game, right? And for the most part, like, I kind of joked in the beginning, said they all start with cop chases, but a lot of them pretty much start with one of the traps. That's why it was weird that this one started this way. I guess maybe it's kind of their way of being like, look, this is going to be a little bit different, but it's not going to be that much different. So we've got five people, they're all in a room, they're all chained up, and they've all got buckets on their heads. And are they trying to copy... Buckethead? Are we going to get some like really fucking wild guitar licks? One of them is going to be like, Oh no, Jigsaw wants me to play an awesome fucking solo. You know? And it's going to be like, Oh, I'm going to go play for fucking Axl Rose now. And then I'm going to get kicked off the fucking tour. Because I'm the real Buckethead. No, I'm Buckethead. No, I'm Buckethead. No, I'm Buckethead. No, I'm Buckethead. But none of you guys are wearing a fucking KFC helmet, okay? So you're not fucking Buckethead. Maybe you can fucking shred. But you know what? Instead, you're probably going to end up in some weird sort of... Oh, wait. There's Jigsaw. I'm sure you're all wondering why you're here. You deny culpability, no doubt, for the circumstances in which you find yourselves. Salvation can be yours if you cleanse yourselves of the habitual lies which have brought you here. Lies that you have told yourselves. Lies that have brutalized others. Confess. The truth will set you free. But any attempt to violate my rules will kill you. I want to play a game. Fuck you! First, 
an offering of blood, no matter how little will give you a green light to escape from this room with your lives. If you can release yourself from your demons, you can begin to shed the chains that those demons bring with them. Make the simple blood sacrifice that I've requested. You'll face severe consequences. The choice is yours. Now, what I really like about this, one, it's really cool to hear Jigsaw again. I don't care. It doesn't matter what film it is or how it's going. Like, whenever he pops up, it's fucking my favorite parts of the film. But it's the fact that Tobin Bell sounds like he's enjoying it once again. Like, the last three movies, whenever they used his voice, it really sounded like he was just kind of like, okay, I'm doing this for the paycheck because I'm the character and that's just the way that it's going to go. Even the little scenes of him acting in those like little vignettes they did, he just seemed like he was kind of phoning it in. And that's just me. But here, just to hear him again after so long, it sounded kind of cool, and it really sounded like he was getting into it this time. Like, he actually had a little more emotion, and it really kind of shows throughout the film. So, these guys are all stuck in this room, and there's one dude that's just kind of sitting on the floor, hunched over. Looks like he might have partied a little too hard, and he's probably not going to make it. So, one of the girls, she gets up first... And she kind of, you know, looks around. There's another girl that's next to the guy that looks like he's passed out. There's kind of a portly gentleman, and there's another guy on the left that's a skinny black man. Uh, All of a sudden, the wheels start turning on the trap, and the saw blades, they start going, and they're on these doors, these metal doors. She kind of realizes that, hey, he's asking for a blood sacrifice, so everybody needs to cut. Well, then offer up their own blood, right? So she goes up there and she cuts herself on the little wall saw thing and gives a little... One guy, he cuts his finger. Another guy cuts open his arm. And then the junkie, she gets a real cut on her back, like, really quick. And that's enough to basically open the doors for those people. Meanwhile, guy that was passed out, man, he finally wakes up the last possible second... And then he runs into the door, but the camera pans past the doors, so you don't get to see this fucker get, like, torn up. All you hear is the yelling and the screaming and everything fucking stops. Now, the worst of the cuts that I could see comes from the girl that's obviously a junkie. Yeah, the guy that got cut up by the door, he's probably got the worst one there, but he's more than likely dead, right? But out of the ones that survived was the girl that's the blonde that looks like a junkie. She basically got a cut in the back that, man, the Anna chick, she tries to come over and she tries to help her. And she's like, don't touch me. And somebody comes over, don't touch me. It's fucking annoying. Uh, We cut back over and we see that the two detectives that chase down the Edgar guy, uh, they're sitting outside the room and they're wondering what's going on and whether or not the game that he's talking about could actually be real. You hit the remote but nothing triggered. As far as we know. You think the game's real? Don't know. Why do you think he asked for you? We're good friends. Put him away twice. Edgar Munson is a sociopathic meth head. Been in and out of prison for assault and battery, armed robbery, drug dealing. Nice guy. Doc, we need him awake. We've got questions. Sorry, detective. The bullet's lodged against the heart. I've got him in a barbiturate induced coma until he stabilizes. How long? Swilling has to come down first. Two hours, two weeks. Can't tell you. Excuse me. From here, we cut back over to the game, and we see that the four surviving members are trying to learn who each other are. 
And of course, they decide to talk about what the fuck is actually going on. And it's Anna who has a little bit of a revelation when she realizes what he means by salvation. That salvation can be ours if we cleanse our soul of our lies. Not a fucked up confessional. The truth will set us free. Honey, my soul is clean. It's Anna. Bullshit. That's right, you son of a bitch. My name is not Honey. My name is Anna. And I'm probably going to be the one that survives this fucking game. If anything has told me before about Saw movies, there's always at least one survivor. Well, not always. But we'll see, because I probably know how to get out of here. I'm probably the one that doesn't have a whole lot that needs to worry about. Basically, I'm thrown into this game either as, like, a red herring or... I don't know, something else. It's always weird, right? There's always some little twist that we got to think about when we're watching a Saw movie. Who could it be? Especially when we got into later ones, with number five was, who is the actual Jigsaw killer now, now that John is truly dead? Whereas with the original ones, it was kind of like, what's going on? Like, you really didn't have to play the guessing game with the first one, right? It was a true twist at the end of that one of the revelation of what was in the room, along with the other two that were chained to, well, basically each other. Truly, the last good twist to me came out in Saw 4. And... While I know they came out a while ago, I really don't want to ruin those films for you. I'm not going to go too much into them, you know, even as bad as some of the other ones are. And you would think I would actually do a podcast on a Saw film about six or seven, but I just don't know if I can sit through those again, to be honest with you. Well, from here, we fade out of the game, and we go into one of the scenes from the trailer. You probably remember it. It's the one with the girl that's jogging, and then all of a sudden, she turns around, she sees the body hanging up from the top of the trees, and she begins screaming. And hey, it's the bucket man from the beginning of the movie. It looks like he died, and then they strung him up. We then cut over to another either part of the park or another park in general. I couldn't quite figure that part out. I really thought that maybe it's the same place he happened to be playing there at the same time. Or And who am I talking about? Well, it's one of the medical examiners that we're going to meet in a second. And his name is Logan. Logan is there. He's playing with his daughter at some random place. It could be a park. It could be outside of his house. It could be, I don't know, in the fucking street. And she's about to get hit by a car. Who the fuck knows? Uh, but... Hallahan, Hallahan, Hallah, whatever the fuck his name is, and Keith, they come over and they ask him to come in because they've found the body, the one that was hanging up in the tree, and he needs to come and do his job. So he leaves his daughter to go with the two because, well, fuck her, she can just fucking play by herself, and who needs a father in her fucking life? And they go over to the morgue where he begins his autopsy on the bucket man uh, that they found hanging in the tree. This is where he also get introduced to his sidekick. Well, it's probably more like his assistant, Eleanor, not necessarily his sidekick. So Eleanor and Logan, they find on the side of the body, uh, besides the fact that he's got his head fucking half cleaned off, and it looks really fucking cool. This is the one that looks really fucking good if that is digital effects then money well spent because they didn't pay anybody else who acted in the film to do this and one towards the end if that is practical good fucking job because that looks really good i mean his head is clearly sliced by the blade saw and you can basically see half his jaw and his brains just fucking sitting there while on his neck he also has a piece of a jigsaw puzzle which of course they can't believe that that could possibly belong to him 
and by him I mean Jigsaw. They look at his neck and they find that it's kind of got a little bit of a like a hole in there and it contains a USB drive. They clean it off, they stick it in the computer and play it, and of course, guess who comes through the loudspeakers? The games have begun again, and they will not stop until the sins against the innocent are atoned for. I will take care of the next four. You take care of the rest. We gotta get that to voice rack. It's not him. Can't be. Is it weird that he used a little USB flash drive this time? Well, I mean, I guess he's got to, like, change with the times, right? He can't be using his little fucking tapes forever. Who the fuck's going to be able to play a little microtape? Plus, it looks like one of those things that you would found those Walkmans back in the day. You know the ones I'm talking about. Well, maybe you're too young to realize which one I'm talking about. Well, you see, there used to be Walkmans back in the day, not those hippie pieces of bullshit that you can find nowadays, but they used to have different tape sizes that you could buy. And that was actually one that you could buy for like an answering machine rather than just a Walkman. But they used to have them, they were only like one song on them, right? And you had a specific player that could play these fucking like little singles. So you had your new kids on the... I mean, you had your fucking Slayer on this fucking little tape, and you stuck it in there, and you fucking played it, and then you fucking rocked out to, oh, 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 I mean, Raiding Blood. Um, <laughs> no, really, he basically, when you watch the other Saw movies, and even you watch this one, all of his little tapes are the little fucking answer machine tapes, or the little recordable Walkman-style things, the voice recorders that you could find out there. And I guess nowadays, he's really got to get with the times, because... Wait, if he's using USB, that means he's probably recording to some type of audiophile, either like an MP3 or an MP4 or an AAC. You think Jigsaw's a podcaster? I'm pretty sure he could do a pretty mean fucking podcast, right? Like, he could just start leaving these little USB sticks everywhere. He doesn't have to necessarily, like, put it out on, like, Apple Podcast or Stitcher or whatever. He can just fucking leave it in dead bodies randomly over the place. Like, you want to find out his next fucking film review? You better find the guy in fucking Central Park that he put through the trap where it stuck his balls in a vice because it's right there inside of his dick. You got to pull out that USB file and then you got to go to the Jigsaw fan site and decode it just like that one time when Nine Inch Nails did it. But I'm pretty sure I'd rather go get one of those Nine Inch Nails flash drives than have to dig Jigsaw's podcast out of somebody's balls. Yeah, that would definitely not be a fun one. Well, anyway, so they are can't believe that it's possibly him. And so they discount the validity. Well, Logan and Eleanor discount the validity that it could possibly be him because he died 10 years ago. I mean, I guess, yeah, he would have died 10 years ago when that version uh, came out, right? Saw 4 came out in 2007, and technically that's the last time that we saw that he was actually dead. We had the cool thing in the beginning of them taking him apart, and then at the end of the film... Well, I again, I don't want to ruin certain things, but it's clear that he's fucking dead at the end of Saw 4. Uh, so we go back over into the game, and we see that the chains have started moving, and they're all bringing everybody close. And of course, Jigsaw wants them to confess to their sins before they're able to get dragged to wherever they're going to be going next, and this causes a lot of commotion. Take it up! Take it up. 
Okay, so Fat Boy here, he's going to be the fucking comic relief of the whole fucking group. Because he actually has some pretty fucking funny things that happen to him and funny lines that he does in the film. But, again, these don't seem like really in-depth reasons for Jigsaw to be kidnapping these people, right? Well, one, we don't know what this guy Ryan did. That's the fat guy. We don't know truly why Anna would be in here, right? If her husband did something to the baby and it was an accident, I... I don't know what really is going on there. And then Mitch, you know, he can't be blamed for fucking selling a bicycle to somebody and them driving off and getting in an accident if they can't fucking handle it. So what the fuck is going on here, Jigsaw? What what reason would you have to kidnap these people? Well, we don't know what the fuck uh, the blonde girl did because she doesn't say anything. So we're just going to let that be. Mitch realizes that there's something on Billy. Yeah, Billy happened to show up. Uh, and if you don't know who Billy is, he's the guy on the bike. Come on, get with the fucking times. We're talking about Saw here. And honestly, he looks so much more badass than he used to. Like, he used to look kind of small, maybe a little big. But here he looks like he's a fucking boy. And he's got these menacing, glowing fucking eyes. Like... John Kramer must truly be fucking alive because he has updated his fucking hardware too. I mean, if you look at everything that's in this place so far, it's pretty fucking advanced from what it is. One, he's got really fucking good lighting. He never had good lighting before. And even when you got into the later ones, one of the spoiler, it wasn't him actually setting up the traps. Uh, they still look like dark, dank fucking dungeons. This is all fucking bright and colorful. I mean, you look at everything. It's got the wood, rustic. I mean, they basically just shot this in a fucking barn, right? And the traps themselves don't seem that bad. It's kind of dragging them towards something. But it looks pretty damn sophisticated. And it looks pretty damn awesome. Uh, so they're all moving forward. He sees Billy over there. And he goes and sees that there's a tape on it. When he grabs the tape, it releases the part uh, of the the wheels that have been turning the background that's been dragging them closer to whatever it is. It doesn't really look like there's anything in there. When what's also kind of odd is that Mitch, he has the longest fucking chain out of everybody. Everybody seems to get closer to the end, but Mitch, he's able to walk way out of the way and go grab the tape and then manages to stop everything and bring it back. So either he had the best position to get everything or he had an extra long chain that nobody fucking knew about. I wonder if they're trying to say something. Him and a long chain. Hmm. Well, so they basically decide that they're going to play the tape and figure out what the next step of this game is. 
While I am certain that there is a desire to point fingers at me for the blood that has been shed, unless you turn that finger inward, I assure you, more blood will be lost, and all will be judged. We will begin with one. One who is not only a liar, but a thief. A purse snatcher. And when you had a chance to fix the harm that you'd done, you chose to do nothing. Now it is you who could die without the right medication. While unconscious, this deceiver among you, this criminal, was injected with a poison. One of the syringes in front of you holds the antidote. One is a saline solution. The other, an acid that will cause an excruciating death. Inject the correct one, and your chains will be released. Failure to make the right choice could result in death for you all. I ask you, what is a life worth to you? Ah, that's very curious. What could it possibly be worth to anybody? I mean, my life is probably not worth that much. Maybe a hundred bucks. Maybe your life is worth like two thousand. Maybe you're fucking Bill Gates and, you know, if you fucking... Well, I guess if Bill Gates died nowadays, it wouldn't be too bad. But back when he was the head big muckety-muck over there at Microsoft, if he died, maybe that whole fucking empire would fall down and it's worth more than the two thousand dollars or the hundred dollars to save my fucking life. So they all figure out that somebody had to have been stabbed right with a needle. So there should be some type of needle mark on somebody. And they figure out, of course, it's the fucking junkie is the one that has the problem. So fat guy here, he grabs all the needles and he brings them towards her. And he tells her, you need to figure out which fucking needle it is or else we're all fucking gonna die. What are you doing? It's okay. It's okay. You just got to pick a needle, Blondie. Look, we get out of these things when you pick an antidote. Or else we all die, Carly. No, no, no. What if it's the acid? I, I won't. Bullshit, you won't. Maybe just confess, Carly, okay? Did you steal purses? Yeah, years ago, but I, I, I didn't kill anyone. No, 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 no! No, that's not the repentant attitude this guy's looking for, okay? You're lying! You're lying! I was broke, okay? And then, yes, somebody died, but I, it wasn't my fault. Choose, or I'm gonna stick them all into you! Stop! Just let it look! Do any of these numbers mean anything to you? Choose now! I'm too crying! Three dollars and fifty-three cents. What? What does that mean? What a life is worth to me. And that's when Ryan realized that this wasn't some blonde-haired junkie, but a 15-foot-tall dinosaur from the Paleolithic era. It's the goddamn Loch Ness Monster one in his Tree 53 back. Oh, come on. I had to make that fucking joke. But honestly, like... She could have easily just grabbed it if she realized it right there that she should have grabbed that needle and fucking just plunged it into her, but she couldn't fucking do it. So they all start getting choked as it raises the chains up into the air and we see exactly what happened. See, she robbed some girl. She took her purse and when the lady chased after her, I guess she had a heart attack or something because she looked like she was so fucking fat. She couldn't run that fucking fast. Hey, I'm fucking fat too and I bet you I would have had a fucking heart attack if I had to run after this blonde little bitch who just stole my purse that also has my medication in it that's gonna allow me to live because now my lungs are fucking closing and i can't get the inhaler that i need to save my fucking life and she's just gonna let me fucking die there the other thing that's weird about this whole situation 
If he is back, everybody at this point should know who fucking Jigsaw is, right? You get locked into this thing and all of a sudden you're in these traps. You're like, oh my god, what the fuck is this? Wouldn't you automatically think after everything has happened in so much time that, hey, this has got to be the work of fucking Jigsaw, right? He has to be a household name. And it's just kind of weird right now that they're not really putting two to two together. But I guess if you're in kind of a mode where you're like, oh my god, what the fuck is going on? We got to deal with whatever this guy is saying. That, hey, let's just try to get through this and do what we need to do. And... I guess the same thing kind of goes with the panicking situation of this girl, right? Maybe she's thinking that $3.50, like, is not just for the Loch Ness Monster, but it's, you know, to kill her. So she doesn't want to inject herself with that stuff. So she struggles, they're all choking each other, and Ryan eventually does stab her with all three fucking needles. And everybody's choke chain gets released and they get dropped on the ground. Of course, since now she's been injected with a hydrochloric acid, there's a really neat scene where her eyes start bleeding and then she fucking just explodes from the acid going through her body. Once she dies, Anne gets really upset at Ryan because, hey, he chose to save all of them by killing her because she wouldn't make the choice to fucking just inject herself with possibly was the actual healing thing. And when it comes to John and Jigsaw, he really does put the obvious choices right fucking in front of you, right? So if you knew the answer to the question, of course, she if she didn't realize that she was under Jigsaw's clutches or in one of his games, then she wouldn't have thought about it. But I'm pretty sure most people that knew about the whole situation, they would know that, hey, if I just fucking follow the game, and he even said, though, in the beginning, just follow my rules and everything will be fucking fine. You need to repent for your sins. That would be repenting for your sins, sticking yourself with the antidote. Everything would have been fine. You would have let go. Everything would have been hunky-dory. Well... You would have survived maybe a little bit longer, but hey, this is what you get. This is what you fucking deserve, you selfish bitch. Fucking take the acid in your body instead and let the other three fucking survive and move on. I don't know why she calls him selfish when he was, well, part of it is self-preservation, I guess. But at the same time, she wasn't fucking going to let you fucking live. She was going to let you fucking choke to death because she couldn't fucking inject herself either with saline or with a fucking healing solution. And it could have been that two of them were fucking saline and one of them was just fucking acid. So, who knows? What I do know is that Anna decides she's going to get all high and mighty and ask Ryan what the fuck his sin is. What's your sin, Ryan? Sold bad mortgages, sold good coke, cheated on my taxes, cheated on my wife, both of them. So, you know, nothing that bad. See, he's the fucking jokester of the fucking movie. We cut back over into the morgue and we see that Eleanor is talking to fuck a Ken and Keith and she's explaining to them who the guy in the bucket was. See, it's some guy that had done some very bad things and Logan walks in and you know what? Logan looks very fucking familiar. I don't know who that actor is. Like, but he looks... He kind of looks like David Boring Anus, but he's not quite. He also looks like somebody I know too. Like, somebody that's that's been on this podcast before. Huh. That's weird. He doesn't have an accent. Well, kind of sounds like he might be down from Texas. It's very odd. wonder who that could be. 
Anyway, anyway, so uh, he Logan comes in and he kind of says, oh yeah, that's this guy that did this bad stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then they realize, uh, they get the results back that matches the voice to fucking Jigsaw. So even though uh, Eleanor makes the case that even though somebody's not alive, they can still have the voice. They go back over to the game and we see that they've entered in this room and the moment the door closes, the lights go on. Ryan looks around, he realizes that they're somewhere out in the country... And that there's got to be some way out of this place so they can get away from the rest of this quote-unquote game. They look around the room and Ryan sees over in the corner that there's a door that says this is not an exit. He decides, fuck that, I'm going to go that way. Even though Mitch and Anna say, no, we have to follow the rules of this fucking game if we want to get out of here alive. And because he doesn't want to follow the fucking rules, he ends up going over there, grabbing a shovel, trying to break open the door, but ends up falling through only one portion of it and gets his leg caught in a wire trap. See, the wires are pulling tighter and tighter on his leg, and if he hadn't fucking tried to cheat the game, he wouldn't be in this fucking situation. We then go through a very fucking tense situation. I really think that this is one of the more suspenseful parts in the film. See, they're trying to get Ryan out of the trap, and they can't quite figure out what they need to do. They see that there's a lever down there, but they don't know what it does, and they're afraid to touch it. There's also a tape that's down in there that says, Play Me. And of course, Ryan doesn't want to try to grab it because it's in the middle of another set of wires. And anything that could go off would either A, fucking rip his leg off, or B, it might rip his hand off if he sets off the rest of the trap. See, his leg's able to hold on just fine, but, you know, maybe if you put your arm down in there, it might get ripped to shreds as well. So, there's a really, actually, fun, tense scene, as I was saying here, that involves Mitch going to grab the tape and maybe touching the sides. He tries using a pitchfork, uh, well, one of those, like, farmer, like, hoes, not hoe, but, you know, rakes. Yeah, that's the way to fucking describe it. I can finally remember fucking my farmer tools from my farmer tool notebook that I got sitting in front of me. So, he tries to grab it, and of course, he accidentally sits off one of the pressure points, and it destroys the fucking wood handle of the rake. So, they say, you need to reach down and grab it. Mitch wants Ryan to go do it. Ryan can't do it because, one, he's afraid if he moves, he's going to do it. And two, he's probably already going to lose a leg. So, why does he want him to lose an arm instead? Fucking Mitch can afford to lose a fucking arm. Look at him. He's fucking svelte. He's young. And fucking Ryan is old and fucking fat. So... Mitch goes down there, and he's slowly getting his arm, and you don't know if he's going to set the stuff off, and it's actually really, I said, entertaining, and he manages to actually get the tape, and of course, it's a warning saying, hey, you shouldn't have disobeyed the rules, now you're stuck in this fucking situation. We cut back over into the morgue, and we see that Eleanor and Logan, they're talking more, and she figures out what's been actually found in the body of this buckethead guy, and that there's one type of like DNA or basically virus that's living inside his body that she could actually use to track and find out where he actually came from. Hey, prelim report on Buckethead. It says the particles found on the body are animal feces. Cow, chicken, pig. They also found traces of Ajeski's disease. Ajeski's disease? It's a virus. Mostly known because when swine get it, farmers have to wipe out the entire sander. I'm impressed. Keep digging. Maybe I can track the virus through location. Dr. Nelson, another one. Possible jumper. 
Okay, so he had fucking pig shit on him, okay? That's how they were able to find him. They went and they searched his body, and they found that he's been rolling around in pig shit, or he probably got dragged through pig shit. So it's pretty obvious that they're on a fucking farm if that's where the body came from. The other body that they found happened to be the body of the junkie who jumped off a roof, supposedly. But when they go and do the autopsy on her, they realize that no, she's actually had hydrochloric acid running through her body. That raises up some suspicious little flags between Keith and Fuckahan over here. But Logan is able to kind of blow them off, explain that, yeah, he's seen something like this before when he's, you know, since he's been kind of like a medical doctor for quite some time. The effects here, once again, look really great because her body looks really fucked up. And the fact that you kind of got to go in there and everything's been kind of exploded out. um, You know, part of it could be the impact of being thrown off the roof. The other is definitely because of the acid that went through her body and destroyed part of her heart. Outside, when they leave the room, Fuckahan and Keith uh, start talking. And Fuckahan, he really wants to know, what is the deal with Logan? What's Logan's deal? What happened in Fallujah? Uh, he, uh, he got captured, uh, but not before taking out three Taliban. Um, what I heard, they tortured the shit out of him. He spent months in the VA hospital when he got back. Think he snapped? Come on, man, he's talking about a brother. I got a brother, he's a fucking asshole. What do you think about his second, Eleanor? He's got a great ass, big mouth. Seems to get off on his sick shit. Yeah. So now we've got two things going on here at this point in the film. And we're about mm, half an hour into it. And they're starting to cast doubts. Well, at least you see Fuckahan. He believes that Logan is possibly the one that has something to do with this. While Keith, on the other hand, is kind of thinking that maybe Eleanor knows a little more than what she actually knows. So it's going to start implanting into your brain, well, could it be one of these two? And I had my theories, and I'm not going to give it away now because I feel it's going to give away the ending of the movie. Because, turns out, I'm fucking right, and I'm always fucking right. We go back into the game. We see Ryan is kind of stuck in the spot he's at with the wire slowly, slowly, like, digging into his skin. And he sees the lever there. And I'm assuming that the lever, if he pulls it, it's going to rip his leg apart. And honestly, it's just a leg. There's no way that you're going to get out of this situation, Ryan. Why don't you just pull that fucking thing and be able to get the fuck out of there? Mitch and Anna are looking for ways out of the room from where they are. And then a hole opens up in what looks like a silo over there on the side. While they start to go in there to investigate, we actually get another funny line from Ryan. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I don't deserve this. I confess. I confess. I confess that this is fucked up! Yeah, that's probably my favorite part of the fucking movie in terms of the humor. Like, it's got some moments. Nothing is really, truly, like, laughable or whatever, except for some of the acting. But honestly, as a joke to break some of the tension of what's been going on, I really fucking enjoyed that. So, Mitch and Anna, they go start looking inside of the little silo, and they notice there's a TV screen there. Ryan also bends over, and he notices underneath him, there's also a TV screen, and of course, what happens, something begins playing on there. I wonder who could be talking to them now. In the past, you have all put your own interests above others, and then lied to yourselves and deceived the world about your callousness, your larceny, your criminality. Now, you will look in the mirror, and you will face who you really are. 
The choices you have made may cost you your life. You cannot escape the truth. There is, however, one person who can help you. Ryan. If he pulls the lever before you are buried alive, you will live. Ryan. Free yourself to free them. Okay, now I kind of get the theme between all these different characters because of what's going on here. Ryan, who's stuck there, all he has to do is fucking pull the lever, and that will save now Mitch and Anna, who are locked inside of this weird silo room. See, they're locked in there. They're going to be buried alive by grain. But it's not just that that's going on. He's going to start dropping shit in on them once the grain. I thought you were just going to fucking bury them alive, Jigsaw. Not fucking start sending saw blades and knives and weird other little pokey things at them while you fucking wait for Ryan to fucking do something. And Ryan, you stupid son of a bitch, all you have to do is pull that thing. You're going to lose your fucking leg anyway, but you're too goddamn selfish. And hence, here is the fucking theme that ties all these people together, is they're all fucking selfish in some way, except for the dude in the beginning we know nothing about. He just went out like a fucking punk bitch. He was partying too hard last night. It was fucking easy prey for Jigsaw. Maybe he's some type of, like, you know, a fucking strip club junkie, and he was just there. He drank too much. He got kicked out because he tried to have sex in the champagne room. And as Chris Rock says, no sex in the champagne room. You should fucking know this by now. That is your fucking flaw. That's why Jigsaw got you. Because you tried to fuck a stripper when you're not supposed to fuck a stripper. Not just because you're not supposed to have sex in the champagne room. Because you're going to get something fucking on your nuts, okay? The last thing that you want to do is you want to get some little creepy crawlies down there because... Because he decided, hey, this stripper's really fucking into me. But she ain't into you. She's just into the fucking money that you're bringing to her there. And then now you've got some neighbors that live in your nethers. And you gotta hit them with a spray. Because that's the only way that you can get rid of them. Not because... Well, I, I, I don't know or anything. But that's what I fucking heard before. So anyway, they're basically getting up to their necks in the grain and all the other shit going. And finally, fucking finally... Well, I have to figure out why the other two people are selfish, too, at the same time. I know that's a total side tangent from what I'm fucking going on here. But, really, we're, we're going to learn something is bigger than what they thought they were confessing to in the beginning of the movie. Uh, so, Ryan finally decides, yes, I'm going to do it. He pulls it. He tears his fucking leg apart. But it does save the other two, who managed to come tumbling out of the fucking thing meanwhile there's still fucking saws and shit in there and they managed to miss every fucking single one you would think as they were being tumbled out that something would at least fucking stick them but of course there's also the thing where she dives forward anna and she almost impales herself on another rake which i don't even know where the fuck that rake came from because i thought that was the same one that mitch grabbed and he broke over trying to save fucking uh ryan and his dumb ass uh and get him out of that trap only to fuck up and not be able to get him out at all meanwhile we go back over and we see that fuckface and keith they're talking and they're trying to piece everything together they basically interview them both separately well fuck a hand does he goes over to eleanor first and he asks her where she was on the night that they found the body and then he goes over and he talks to uh logan and he tries to get him 
to give some more information on Eleanor. See, he's found some interesting things about her, and he's actually kind of trying to piece them together to see if maybe she has something to do with this, or slightly to put the two of them together, and maybe they both are in on the same type of situation. How'd you find Eleanor? My sister. Is that all she is? It's been two years since Christine passed. I wouldn't blame you. Yes, but I'm a professional. Uh, Logan, you ever heard of a website called Jigsaw Rules? No. Very deep online. Took some digging, but it's a site devoted to Jigsaw. Half of it's bullshit posers, but there's some stuff on there <laughs> that is really messed up. A lot of sick fucks. Okay. We did a dark net IP troll. Got a lot of hits from your assistant. She's a regular. Download some shit you cannot imagine. So you're saying that Eleanor Bonneville is our copycat? No, that's not what we're saying. You check her alibi? Uh, she said she was home the morning that Buckethead was found hanging in the park. Uh, 7 a.m., home alone, single woman. It does sound suspicious. All right, let's rewind. How did Eleanor come to you? She sought out the department to do her residency. And after that, after she finished her residency, I mean, three months ago, she was offered a job running the show at the Cleveland City Morgue. Why didn't you take that? Would you want to move to Cleveland? That's the lab. Results are in. You know, I don't blame her. I wouldn't want to move to fucking Cleveland either. You got to deal with the fucking Browns, man. Like, you got a team that can't win a fucking game, has won one game in the last fucking three years, and probably when somebody listens to this podcast ten years down the line, they probably have only won two fucking more. So no, I don't want to live in fucking Cleveland either. I mean, why live in a town with a football team that can't win you more than one fucking game in three fucking years, right? So, they go over to the lab and see they found some blood that was under the fingernails of Bucket Man in here. And they got lab analysis done. And of course, what happens? Who does the blood match up to? Please, please tell me, blood lady. Whose blood is it? John Kramer. What? That's impossible. It's a fact. The blood under the fingernails of our first victim... John Kramer's blood, the jigsaw killer. Well, shit. How the fuck did he get Jigsaw's blood underneath his fingernails if Jigsaw ain't fucking alive? What's going on here? Because there's obviously something. Either somebody's a true mastermind and has figured out a fucking clone Jigsaw, uh, or Jigsaw really didn't fucking die that one time and the last couple movies got completely fucking erased and this is the better way to go. Really, this just takes place after Saw 2 and just happens that it's 10 years later and he's been in fucking hiding. Like he managed to just fucking get away from everything. It really wasn't him on the fucking autopsy table. It was his fucking clone or it was, you know, a mannequin of him. He manages to not just make excellent fucking traps, but he makes lifelike uh, human fucking dolls that basically he can swap himself out for. And boom, he's on the run and he's able to come back 10 years later. I don't know at this point if they're like digging themselves into a little bit of a hole here or there is going to be a twist that's going to happen, which I'm pretty sure there's going to be something. I mean, if M. Night Shyamalan did a set of horror movies, like a series, Saw would be it because everything has a fucking twist. 
So there's got to be something that's kind of going on, and I guess we're going to learn more about it as we go further on to the film. Logan, meanwhile, he's gone out and he's looking for Eleanor, and he finally does find her at a bar. Uh, he approaches her and he wants to make sure that, you know, she doesn't have anything to do with this because she's been trolling that Jigsaw Dark Web site. I hate... Can we just not use the dark web for fucking anything anymore? I don't get it, you know, I know that it exists, it's fucking out there, it's fucking dangerous, and in some cases, it's not so dangerous because you can get some really good information out there, maybe you can get somebody's credit, I mean, you can, like, get somebody's access to, like, Netflix from there, and so that, hey, you're just leeching off of them, it's no big fucking deal, uh, or, or, you know, there's some, there's some really bad stuff, but really a Jigsaw fan site doesn't seem like it would be something that would need to be on the dark web, or we don't really need to fucking focus anything on that shit. I mean, people think they can fucking defend themselves from it, but you can't. It's the fucking dark web, and I'm fucking sick and tired of hearing about it, and I really don't like using that for any part of this film even if you're trying to bring it into the modern era and that's the way you might as well gone back in time with the saw movies and said hey people used to hang out on fucking irc and discuss jigsaw's motives and we found them there and she was talking about some weird shit with some people because she was really into it and then she started illegally downloading movies because it was so easy to do it goddamn back in the day with irc oh boy so anyway They continue to talk, and Logan presses her with a couple more questions, and she finally admits that she lied to Fuckface, and she really wasn't at home when Buckethead was found. When Buckethead was strung out, I wasn't at home like I told the cops. I was at my, uh, studio. What? Studio? Why couldn't you tell them that? Like I said, it's... it's complicated. You don't think they're going to find out about it? You know about the Jigsaw fan website, whatever the fuck you're doing on that. They're going to find out about everything. Oh, they think I'm involved. Show me. They think I'm involved? So, you know what's fucking smart? Let me go over to where the fuck you were, because nothing could possibly be fucking bad over there. You might as well just show me what the fuck you're doing, because I don't want to be involved, and I don't want to be seen like I'm being involved, but I'm getting fucking involved right now. So what does she do? She takes him over to her little studio, which happens to be, surprise, surprise, filled with fucking jigsaw memorabilia, or at least jigsaw fucking traps, They're fucking everywhere. She's got like a fucking torture museum in her fucking house. And supposedly she's either made some of them or she's bought them. And this is like her homage to fucking Jigsaw. So I guess you can just go on JigsawsMyHomeboy.com. And you know, on the dark web. I'm sorry. JigsawsMyHomeboy.DarkWeb. And you can fucking learn how to do everything. In fact, she managed to learn how to make one of Jigsaw's earliest fucking traps as you can hear here. Supposedly, John Kramer designed this trap for a game that took place before all the others. They found the plans in his lab. I built it myself. Got them from some guy on the internet. Rumor is, not only did John design this, he built one. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint. None of Kramer's victims died in any device like this. The wounds don't match the design. Maybe the bodies were never found. And maybe it never happened. Maybe someone's playing games with you. 
oh yeah, because on jigsawismyhomeboy.com or .darkweb, uh, you can pick up fucking uh, instructions on how to make all his fucking traps. Random dudes out there, just, he's fucking anybody. It's not like, you know, there's somebody that could possibly be fucking setting you up by building this fucking thing that honestly from the top down looks like a giant fucking hot plate. What are you going to do, fucking cook ramen for him in your little studio apartment on this thing? Well, I guess if it's that fucking big, you can make a nice big set of ramen for, like, the whole neighborhood or some shit like that. But, honestly, it's some weird contraption where I guess they're blades. They're just red. They're circular. It actually looks kind of cool. But the fact that you got it from Joe Schmo on some random internet site doesn't mean that you should really go be out there, like, trusting it and actually building this shit. Like, who has this free time to just fucking build jigsaw traps that you're never going to fucking use? At least go out there and fucking capture something. No animals, please. Okay, don't go get like a fucking cat, even though it's fucking outside your window, meowing all night. Whenever you let it in, it just fucking shits on your fucking couch and your carpet and pees all over the place that's no reason to put it in one of these fucking jigsaw traps even though you really want to and you're gonna fucking strangle the shit out of that cat next time she fucking poops in the wrong fucking spot no i am not gonna be a jigsaw animal person the cat will not learn its lesson okay it doesn't know how to morally be right it doesn't know that it shouldn't shit on your clothes, okay? It was just that one time, it was bad diarrhea, because you gave her that one type of wet food that she shouldn't be fucking eating, and okay, just remember, remember what they told you. Just breathe in, breathe out. Don't be like Jigsaw. Don't go on his website. Don't order the cat torture, you know, 2000. It's not right. Don't go torture animals. You'll be good, okay? Uh, so... The fact that she's able to build this stuff in her free time is fucking ridiculous, to be honest with you. Meanwhile, on the outside, we see Keith. He's out there like Eddie Valiant taking pictures of Jessica Rabbit and that one executive playing patty cake. And he's taking pictures of both Eleanor and Logan together while they're inside of her torture hobby shop that she's got going on. Maybe she should put her stuff on the dark web. She can be like the one-stop torture shop for people out there that don't know how to deal with moral dilemmas. And just put people in traps that possibly could kill them. Now, once Keith has taken enough pictures of them playing patty cake together, he goes over to Fuckahan's face and shows him all the pictures that he's taken of the two of them inside of her little torture shop. And of course, now this gives Fuckahan probable cause uh, to go after him. But of course, there's something else going on that the press wants to do, and they want to do something to Jigsaw's body. Great work. Now we've got probable cause. You're not going to believe this. What? The commissioner wants to see Jigsaw's remains. Wants proof he's really dead. What? Yeah. Said he wants to calm the people's fears. Are you serious? Chasing a dead man. This is election year bullshit. That is all yours. I'm going to follow up on these. Right on. While Fuckahan is at his desk investing a little more into the backstory of Logan and his military past, uh, there's a special visitor for Edgar who's in the hospital still, and he manages to kidnap him and take him away. Back at the game, Mitch and Anna are the only two that are able to stand on both of their feet, while Ryan, he's kind of stuck there after they've kind of roughly patched him up. I mean, he's still got a stump where his right leg should be, but hey, that's the price that you've got to pay when you don't follow the fucking rules of the game. So, 
there's something on the ground that Mitch sees, and it says it's for him. So he picks it up, just like he normally would play any type of tape that he's run into so far, but instead he gets caught into a snare, and then we hear the all-too-familiar voice of Jigsaw. Hello, Mitch. You've admitted to selling a boy a motorcycle. But you've not told the entire story, have you? $600 for a bike that you listed in excellent condition. Even though you knew the brakes were faulty, you took his 600 bucks. And in return, you delivered him to his end. He was my nephew, and he never hurt anyone. The device you see here has a unique power source. It's the same engine that graced the bike you sold my nephew. However, I assure you, the brake lever for this one works perfectly. Look, you're, you're right! Avoid the dangers around you. Hit the motorcycle brake handle, and the motor will stop. Oh, shit! Live or die, Mitch. The choice is yours. So what is he being dropped into? Why, it's the same contraption that Eleanor has in her house. So he slowly is being lowered in there, and the blades are spinning around in a circle. And all he has to do is reach down and grab the brake, and it will stop the whole contraption, and he'll be able to get out of there alive, because it's basically going to stop the motorcycle on top. Anna, she's trying to figure out a way to get up there, and she takes a pole, and she actually manages to get on top of the bike and stick the pole through the wheels, the spokes there, and stops the bike from running entirely. Now, I don't know about you, but... I don't think that that little bar could actually hold the motorcycle stopped entirely to get you the fuck out of there. You have one thing that you need to do, and there's one thing to make sure that the engine of the goddamn motorcycle stops, and that's to hit the brake. And he's really close to fucking reaching it. All he has to do now is... if. Even if I think that I was going to be saved, and you see what's happened when you haven't followed the fucking rules, you'd reach down, I'd grab that fucking brake, I'd squeeze it so hard that it broke my fucking fingernails, and that it doesn't matter if my arm gets fucking, you know, chopped up or whatever, and I've got a bunch of fucking scars all over the place, plus I've already fucked myself with a saw earlier, but at least I can stop the machine from fucking working, right? Well, no, he starts to cheer, and of course the fucking bike breaks the cheap-ass fucking tube, because, hey, we're inside of a barn, and you grab the thinnest thing possible to fucking stop it. you think you should grab, like, a 2x4 or something like that, but you know what? People need to learn their fucking lesson. And so, of course, Mitch gets chopped up for his selfish nature, for not, you know, disclosing the fact that, hey, you need to be able to fix this fucking bike, or you're gonna fucking die, because... $600 for a motorcycle, isn't that super fucking cheap? Like, even if the brake line was broken, like, you would still get $600 for the goddamn motorcycle, and that's probably the reason why the kid was buying it anyway. He was like, fuck yeah, uh, $600 for a fucking motorcycle? Are you fucking kidding me? Something that looks like a Harley, but definitely not a Kawasaki, because I at least know the differences between those two types of motorcycles. It could be an Indian, but I don't fucking know, and I wouldn't fucking care. $600 for that bike is not a bad fucking deal, even if the brakes were fucking 
not working on it. At least then I could have rolled it out of there, and he would have been fine. So there's Mitch's selfishness going on right there. He didn't care if it was going to fuck up somebody else's life as long as he got the fucking money and he got fucking paid. So he ends up paying the ultimate price because he slides through the rest of the fucking blades, and then he spits out right there on the end onto the floor as Ryan wakes up to see him all bloodied and covered on the ground. From here we go back over to the hospital and we see that Fuckahan is getting mad at one of the guards that was on duty because he managed to let somebody get in there and take the body away from the hospital. At the same time, we see Keith and he's getting ready to dig up the remains of Jigsaw in front of all the press. Edgar Munson was in a coma. You got one job, one job to do, you useless mother... Yeah. Anything? Nothing. Pulled a Houdini, nobody saw shit. Just pulling Kramer's casket out now. Reporters? Yep. Good. And this nonsense once and for all. John Kramer's dead and has been for 10 years. Not this John Kramer bullshit. You may want to rethink that. Why? What's going on? Let's just say you can call off the hunt for Edgar Munson. Come on. Yes, you see, Edgar's body was actually inside the grave of John Kramer. So somebody has gone out there to fucking put him in there whether it's kramer or it's not i mean everything is kind of leaning towards kramer actually being alive which would be really fucking cool but we really don't know maybe he has a helper like he did in some of the other films or maybe this is something entirely different i don't know do you uh, I still stand by what my guess was that you don't know what it is because I didn't fucking tell you. And it's fucking right. So they decide at this point to go raid Eleanor's little hobby torture dungeon. And of course she's not there. They go into one of the rooms where they see that there's a hidden compartment. And when they open it up, what drops down but the body of Mitch. All torn up and ready to go. From here they decide, okay, we're going to go and we're going to arrest Eleanor, and we're also going to arrest Logan, because they both have to be in on it. Uh, Fuckface over here, he goes after Eleanor, while Keith, he goes after Logan. When he arrives to pick up Logan from his house, Logan is saying, no, there's no way that I could have did it, I'm not involved in anything, and I can tell you who does it. He says, look, you can even fucking arrest me right now. He holds out his hands. Keith cuffs him up, and then they go back into his place, and Logan then explains his theory on who he believes actually is perpetuating himself as Jigsaw. I know who did this, and you do too. Who found the body at Eleanor's studio? Jesus! Valerie? He had motive. He wanted Edgar dead. Who ordered the, the targeting of the remote? If he moves to trigger it, blow it to shit. Go on. Yeah, everybody targeted the trigger, but did anyone actually see what Halloran was aiming at? He had no plan to let Edgar walk. Do you think your partner knows that you're with IA? So I'm right. Jesus. You know, I've been on to Halloran since before all this started. IA hasn't connected to multiple homicides going back years. Now these latest jigsaw murders, the three bodies we brought you, we found they're all mixed up in Halloran's cases. Bring him in. Halloran's trying to frame me. 
I don't even know what he's got against me. Really? You know you called him out for screwing up slam dunk cases. Said he was a, a moron in the press twice. No, I said he was an impulsive asshole twice. You blame him for what happened to Christine, don't you? Look, I don't know how to prove Halloran's the cop. It's Halloran. It's him. Let me help you build your case. Let me get you proof. Let me open up Edgar Munson. We match that slug to Halloran's gun. So both Keith and Logan go back over to the morgue, and they do do a little bit of a mini autopsy on Edgar's body. They find that there is a bullet that's lodged inside of his chest that was the one that put him down and brought him close to death that does match the same gun that Fuckahan uses for his, you know, daily police work. That can start building the case against Fuckahan, so Logan leaves for the night because Keith lets him go, and Keith begins to start searching for him. Uh, Back at Logan's place, he runs into Eleanor who surprises him because she's on the run. She knows that Nietzsche hides from Fuckahan. As they begin to talk and he says, maybe you shouldn't necessarily be here. She explains to him that she knows exactly where the game is based upon the shit that she found that was on the body of the first guy. I think I know where the game is being played. I found the farm. That's great. Let's call it detective. No. Halloran's behind this. We can't trust the cops. What? You want to see this game for yourself. You get off on this shit. Logan, this is a chance for us to save lives. So we're going to take on a serial killer with what? Our cunning intellects. And this. Damn, that is one big-ass fucking revolver that she pulled out of the middle of nowhere. She doesn't have, like, a purse or anything. She just kind of reached down and pulled it out. Oh. Is is it that cavernous? I sure hope not. So, they go out to the farm where the game is being played, and she explains that this is a place that's owned by Jigsaw's wife, who, isn't she dead, too? Like... And now, all of a sudden, we're going to have to figure out that she's alive because she still owns this place. Well, it's at least under her name, from what I understand. Now, we cut back over to the game where we haven't been for a while. We actually did miss a scene where Anna tries to escape, but she's ended up tackled by somebody in a pig mask and a robe. And I wonder who that could be. Well, they all wake up and guess who is sitting there right in front of him. Now, I split this up into four different parts because it is a long fucking clip. And they're actually kind of long clips all the way to the end because it's all the exposition, whatever happens in a fucking Saw movie. You know this is the way that it works. The last, like, ten minutes of every fucking Saw movie is his, like, explaining everything that fucking happened and showing you all the different twists that went on in the fucking movie. So, who else do we get to see is alive but Jigsaw himself? Hello, Anna. What's going on? You're about to play a game. No, what are you doing, Josh? What are you doing? It's a final test. I already passed your test. Look on my fucking leg! That wasn't your test, right? And that wouldn't have been necessary if you'd simply played by the rules. But you don't like rules, do you? Uh... You want me to show mercy 
You hasn't taken even a single step toward confessing. You who's responsible not for one death, but for three. Your life of reckless deceit started in high school and only grew worse. So we get to see a scene of Ryan as a young kid and he's drunk standing inside of a car. It's actually, again, pretty goddamn funny. It's not funny exactly what happens, but the fact that he just falls out of the car, like, as they're, like, doing, they're trying to get him to sit down, they're like, no, no, sit the fuck down, you're fucking drunk, and he's, like, sitting there with his, or standing there with his beard, no, I just want to party and fucking yell and shit, and then he flies out of the car, and... (laughs) the boys like the look on their face when they because they were turned around and then all of a sudden they're like oh no he fell out of the car but oh shit we can't control the car anymore and they drive into a fucking like truck or something like and just fucking blow up the car and kill everybody else who's in the car and of course this is his sin right this is how he is selfish because as john explains that he didn't take blame for what had been done, even though he was the main cause of them getting into the accident. You lied to the authorities multiple times, Ryan, pinning the blame solely on the driver, your deceased best friend. You know what you did to his family? Hmm? And you've only gotten worse over the years. I did it. Okay, I fucking did it. I did it, but so long ago. I want to live. I want to live. As do I, Ryan. As do we all. But things happen. Were it not for a careless mistake by a resident at the hospital I was in, my cancer could have been diagnosed a lot sooner. It was simply the wrong name on an x-ray. Would have saved me all hardship yeah basically he wouldn't become the jigsaw killer because you know as we know the reason that he really kind of went down this path or he started going down this path is because he lost his kid so i don't know necessarily what that has to do with the cancer if unless that's like being retconned and removed from the whole like saw series or whatever the fact that maybe everything ends after saw four and five six and seven never really happened and this is meant to be the replacement for that i don't fucking know but honestly he wouldn't have had well he would have still had cancer but maybe they could have caught it early and they wouldn't have actually you know he wouldn't have done what he did and he could have lived a long fruitful life and everything would have been cool or you know he might still be a dick i don't fucking know but he wouldn't have had cancer so quickly or maybe so severe i guess is what he's trying to say anyway you know what i'd like to learn some more information about anna so you know john if you could can you tell me a little about you know what she's got going on and why she's the selfish one too and you, Anna. John, you know me. Please don't do this to me. We were neighbors, Anna and I. My first chemo sessions were very difficult, to say the least. Anna and her husband, Matthew, were so kind, so supportive. I thank you for that. Why are you doing this to me? Those were better days for you, weren't they, huh? But your poor husband, Matthew, I know the two of you didn't always get along. 
But to have to endure that tragedy, the death of a child, that's uh, one of life's greatest burdens, isn't it? If only he hadn't fallen asleep that night, then he wouldn't have rolled over and uh, suffocated your baby. That is what happened, right, Anna? Okay, that's really fucked up. So if you don't quite catch that, because a lot of it actually does in the visuals of the film, but you can kind of get a feeling of what actually happened. See, Anna is a complete, and I don't use this word very often to be completely honest with you, but she's a complete and utter cunt. Because she fucking killed their baby because he was crying. Okay, or she was crying and she couldn't take it anymore. And then what does she fucking do? Well, she puts the dead baby right next to her husband who's sleeping. So he rolls over and when he wakes up, he thinks he's killed his fucking baby. That is the biggest amount of fucking bullshit that you could ever fucking do. And she is the most selfish out of all of them. Okay, one stole a fucking... And I don't know anything about the dude that fucking, you know, just got fucking sawed to death. But, you know, he made a mistake when he was a kid. Ryan made a mistake when he was a kid. And he should have taken blame for the fact that, hey, you know what? If I hadn't been a drunk asshole and fallen out of the car, they would have never crashed. And probably nothing would have happened to him. Same thing with Mitch. All Mitch had to say was, hey man, the brake line is broken. You know, you're still getting a really good deal on this bike. And please, just don't drive it home. Be careful. Go whatever. And then the other girl, the junkie bitch, she, all she had to do was say, hey, you know, here's your medicine. Make Make sure that you take it. Uh, I'm still taking your fucking money because I am the fucking Loch Ness Monster and I need this Tree 53. And so her, she's the worst. The worst out of all of them. And she seems like she was the hero of the fucking film. Like she was the one getting everything right and it really made you connect to this character. And for me, this is the biggest twist in the movie. Not what the twist actually is. Because even though I saw this kind of coming up too, like I'm like, she did something that I'm not going to agree with. But at the same time, just the fact that they pulled your emotions in one certain way with her and you're like, okay, she didn't do it. But of course, there had to be something bigger. But I didn't expect this, that the fact that she was the one... I kind of figured, okay, let me say that she probably did kill the kid. But I didn't expect her to be like, I'm fucking framing. I thought maybe they did something and the husband took the blame, but she didn't want to do anything with it. I don't know. But looking at this... This is really, really fucked up. So, I I don't know. John, why don't you continue? What are you going to do to us? <laughs> Me? I'm not going to do anything. You have to simply assume responsibility. I 
who you are. So John goes around there and he basically prepares the last game that we're going to see with these people. He starts setting it up. He, you know, moves things around on them. And then ultimately he tells them exactly like what is going to happen. And the thing is this part too, because I'm actually really getting into like the, I'm thinking this is the end. We're going to get something big. I know there's still a little more revelation that needs to go on. But when I looked at the time and God damn, there's still like a half an hour of this fucking movie left. But hey, I'm really enjoying this at this point as well. Cause I want to see what happens and how they tie everything together. And if they're actually able to save these people or not. Meanwhile, we see that Logan and Eleanor are going to start going into the house, and we see that uh, Fakalahan, or whatever the fuck his name is, uh, has followed them to the place, and he's getting calls from Keith, and then, what the fuck is that in his hands? He's using a fucking Blackberry? Who uses a fucking Blackberry in these days? Look at that piece of shit. It's not even a fucking touchscreen. He's got, it has the big fucking keyboard and all the other fucking bullshit, like... Nobody, unless you're a fucking scumbag of the earth, do you use a fucking Blackberry. So I guess it does fit fuckface here, and we realize that he's followed them to this location. Meanwhile, we go back inside and we see that John is talking with them, and John has a very good, like... He has a lot of really good speeches towards the end of this film. And this is probably my favorite one where he's talking about pigs and the difference between pigs or the way that pigs feel empathy. And he also explains to the two that are locked in chains on the ground that there is one way for them to basically get through this game. And he presents the final game to the two of them after he talks about why pigs feel empathy. I'll do anything you want, John. Just please let me go. Please. Did you know that pigs are highly compassionate animals? They show distress if they see any other animal, including humans, suffering. What about you, John? Where is your compassion? We all have a thumb on the scale, Anna. For good or for evil. You've been weighing in on the wrong side of the scale. Both of you. Now, if you want to achieve your freedom, you have to learn. You have to realize that you've been doing it backwards. So, I'm going to give you an opportunity to turn it all around. Here's your key to freedom. It's all up to you. Now the game's simple. The best ones are. You have one shotgun. You have one shell. So, I guess the final game is one of them's going to shoot the other? I don't know. So, he leaves them in the room by themselves, and Anna gets the bright idea, I guess he wants me to shoot you. Like, why wouldn't he want Ryan to shoot her? Like, is it because he's like a lame duck or whatever it is? So, she goes over and grabs the shotgun, and he's like, no, 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 come on, we can think through this. There's got to be another reason. And, of course, she doesn't take that, and so she pulls the trigger, and it backfires on her and blows up in her face, thus killing Anna. 
and this was one of the guesses that I had in earlier on in the film. I always like to play these, not necessarily with the Saw movies, but with most movies that you see out there, is who's going to be the last one to die? And when I saw that Ryan got saved by the trap, I was like, he has to be the one that survives. Even though everything kind of plays, like I said before, on your heartstrings, thinking that Anna's going to be the one to survive, because she seems to be the strongest, she seems to be the one that's most level head, and nothing bad has really happened to her. And that's kind of where I got him like, look, everybody else is basically dying, or something bad is just happening to them, and that has to happen here. Like, she has to have something that's going to go wrong, or that she's going to be and especially when I found out that she's the biggest fucking cunt in the world, that she deserves to fucking get it. So her fucking mind thinks that, oh, I've got to kill him to survive, and she ends up getting killed herself, uh, only cements the point that I was right that Ryan was going to be the one that survives this film. Uh, but what we don't realize is that Ryan goes over and he notices something on the ground. And the fact that inside the shell, Jigsaw had put two keys, a red or green key, I'm sorry, and a yellow key, which are the two keys that would have opened the locks on the goddamn chains. He told them straight out that it was the most simple game possible and that all he had to do was, you know, not think too much into it. And so he's like, you got one shotgun, one shell. And he's basically kind of telegraphing everything out to them saying, hey, look in the shotgun shell, and if they had, they would have each had a key so they could get out and both of them survived. But because she's just thinking of survival of the fittest, and she at that point is being the most selfish out of everybody, and honestly out of everything that's happened so far with how everything's planned out, uh, truly Ryan is the least selfish out of everybody. Uh, I would probably say that it, if you had to think of everybody overall, technically it's the guy that just fucking died in the beginning, but, uh, since he really hasn't done anything, he gets a pass on this whole selfish thing, where everybody else there, they were just different varying degrees, and really the worst one died the worst way, uh, and no, actually, Mitch died the worst way. I wouldn't want my skin fucking flayed like that. Uh, a shotgun blast to the face might be actually instant, even though she looked like she was on the ground kind of gasping for air. So I'm not quite sure which one would be the worst way to go, but Ryan really does get the worst way because, of course, uh, you know, Jigsaw has locked them in there. So you're assuming that if they do find them, that, uh, you know, He's going to be hurting really bad, and can he actually get out of there? Or is something else going on? So we cut back over, and we see that Logan and Eleanor now inside the barn, and they're looking around, and they find all the different traps that have been set up. And one of the big things that's set up there is the first trap that Jigsaw supposedly built or had created. And it's sitting there kind of in a working fashion, which, you know, we well, we really don't know if Eleanor's did not work or if it did. So, uh, that causes Logan to start freaking out, and he starts playing the blame game with Eleanor, thinking that, hey, maybe she really was the one that did it, only to be interrupted by someone very special. You. You've been obsessed with John Kramer from the start. The website, the traps you built. Lots of people are fascinated by Kramer. know damn well I didn't kill Buckethead or the other two. Then who did? Hallorin. You said it yourself. The bullet matches. He's connected to all the victims. He's... 
different kinds of dropping. Drop it! Both of you! No! It's him. It's him! Go on! Don't. Come on. Don't. Come on! All right. Don't. All right. All right, I'm putting it down. That's your turn, sweetheart. Come on, sweetheart. Who? Come on. Put it down. I'll blow his fucking brains out. L? Yeah. That's a good girl. All right. You got what you need. So Logan and Fuckahan get into a giant scuffle while Eleanor runs away. Fuckahan actually is able to knock out Logan, and then he chases after Eleanor. Uh, while chasing after Eleanor, he actually gets attacked from behind and he gets injected with something in his neck. They both wake up, Fuckahan and Logan, uh, attached to new traps created by Jigsaw uh, over against the wall, and we get the final trap of the film. Halloran. Help! Somebody! Help! What the fuck are these? What the fuck? These are goddamn laser cutters. What? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Wait, what happened? Where's Eleanor? Halloran! Someone came out of nowhere, drugged me. Knocked me out. Yeah, me too. Hello, gentlemen. You came looking for the game. Congratulations. You found it. You are the final two players. Can't be. You may recognize the device around your collar, Dr. Nelson. These laser cutters slice through tissue and bone like butter. The most powerful blade on the planet. You both have an opportunity to live. All you need to do is confess. Confess. It's that easy. If you admit to the reason that you deserve to die, you can escape death. I will be listening. Make your choice. How are you alive? How are you still alive? The game will select one of you to begin in 60 seconds. Unless, of course, someone chooses to go first. So, of course, they begin to talk it out. And, you know, Logan, he's really like, look, we need to figure out what's happening here. And we just need to play it by the rules. And then we'll be able to get out of this. Okay. Because they both know of Jigsaw. Right, which is this is the weird thing again when we look back at the other guys, none of them knew what was going on, and the only person that knew exactly who he was was Anna. Everybody else was surprised with the whole situation that was going on here. Whereas in this situation, they're both put in here, but they're put in the same room that Anna and Ryan were in, which is weird because neither of them are in there. So, did you know, after everything was said and done, did John go in there and take Ryan out? Because he's been known sometimes to save certain people if he feels like they're worth saving. And other times, he's just let people fucking rot inside the room. Well, we see the two of them talk. We see Logan and Fuckahan talk. And eventually, they come to the decision that Fuckahan, he's going to be the first one to confess his sins. He pulls the old sneaky guy double bluff and he pushes the button that's in front of Logan and starts the timer for him. So Logan, he gets pulled into the wall with all the weird laser cutter, like, necklace thing that he's wearing. 
and they start lighting up around his face, which is another scene you can see from the trailer. So as they get slowly closer and closer to his face, uh, we he starts confessing everything that's going on. He says, yes, I was the one. Basically, Jigsaw is telling him, right, that say the reason why you should die and then if you confess it then we'll let you i'll let you go uh and so he confesses that he's the one that fucked up the medical charts for john way back in the day of course the timer ends up counting down to the point where the lasers go into his neck and then blood splatters everywhere and poor logan is dead on the ground and at this point i'm like man it kind of sucks that's not a guy that necessarily deserved to die especially with something so fucking minor he made one mistake he put the fucking wrong name on the wrong fucking test who really fucking cares which way that he goes right uh since we learned that from jigsaw himself so uh at the same time now fuck a hand over here he gets pulled by the same collar into the wall and the lights start going on he starts confessing everything, saying, yeah, this is all the stuff, this is all my fault, I've framed a bunch of people, I've done that, and then all of a sudden, the lights around the neck, they turn off, and when they turn off, all of a sudden, the twist of the movie happens, and we see that somebody is not who he said he was. Ten years ago, in this very barn, a game was played. Supposedly, John Kramer designed this for a game that took place before all the others. The bodies were never found. I know this because I was one of the players. Jigsaw put me in that game because ten years ago, I mixed up his x-ray. So... The big twist of the movie is that Logan is the new Jigsaw and that everything that we watched that was going on Jigsaw's game took place before even the first Saw happened. So that is what I actually guessed way back in the beginning of the movie. I mean, I'm talking like 30 minutes into it and it's basically within that one scene where he's like, oh, with with the hydrochloric acid scene, I'm like, oh, well... Logan's the fucking... He's Jigsaw. There's just no way. This is what has to happen. So to me, the twist wasn't very twisty. I wasn't surprised that that was him. And there's so many telltale clues. And there's one big thing that I skipped over when I was talking about this film. And there's a little small scene with Logan. And this cemented it for me that he was the killer. See, if you remember back towards the beginning of the podcast, I played a clip about how they said that he was in Fallujah and he got tortured. And then there's a scene that's in there that you don't I didn't tell you about, and you you can miss it. It's relatively quick if you say turn away for a second or you look at your phone uh, while you're watching the movie, which you shouldn't be fucking doing. You should just be watching the fucking movie, Scott. Uh, you should you'll see that Logan he's got a bunch of scars on his back. He has all these cuts. Now, if you believe the Fallujah story and that he was tortured, it makes sense, and your brain could go to that. But me, I put kind of two and two together at this point and realized that if he was the last person that was in that room, then those marks on his back are because he got cut up by the saws. He actually didn't go. He did come back from the war with PTSD, as we're going to find out in just a second, but he didn't get the scars from being trapped 
in Fallujah, he got them from the saws that basically bit into his back. I don't want to go too much into it because, of course, now we're getting to the big ending. And I've split this into four different parts because, again, it's a long fucking part. But there are a lot of things. I cut out some small minor stuff, basically sounds and stuff like that, and try to make them a little more concise. Instead of playing you straight five minutes of the whole thing that's going on and then getting to the ending, I want to talk about every little piece that goes on here. But the big thing is the twist. The twist to me wasn't very twisty. The bigger twist to me was the fact that Anna was such a bitch. That was, I think, better than what this is. But in the scheme of things, I like that they did this, okay? The fact that John actually isn't alive, the fact that that's another timeline, that we're watching two things happen concurrently, and they're both the story of Logan. We just don't know how Logan's story ended, and we find out through the credits as this current story of Logan is also ending. So, let's listen to the first part of the end explanation of everything that happened in this film. John decided I shouldn't have to die over an honest mistake. He gave me a second chance. So now, ten years later, I've recreated Jigsaw's game with criminals from your failed cases. What? I wanted my game to be identical to Jigsaw's. So I went through your cases, found players just like the ones in the original game. I gave them the same choices that Jigsaw did a decade ago. (laughs) Jigsaw put five people in his game. I put in three. You and I are the last two. I wanted to see if I was as worthy as him. As talented. So, okay, so he's got kind of a big head upon him to think that he might be the same as Jigsaw. But, of course, when you look at the way everything kind of fleshed out, right, it makes even more sense once again. Uh, He did survive he was the guy from the beginning jigsaw stopped it and honestly the other four members of the game not just him were all selfish in some way shape or form the exception is logan uh to be honest with you what does he have to be selfish about he, there's nothing that he did he made an honest mistake he really did come back from the war fucked up and he got put into this game just because he misdiagnosed or he put the wrong name on the fucking x-ray. And yeah, that could have helped him. It was more about like revenge rather than a moral dilemma for him. Like there's nothing about his character that would say he's like the four other people. So honestly, one person truly did survive the game and it happened to be Logan. And it happened to be because, uh, you know, Jigsaw John, he felt remorse for what he was doing, putting a guy into the game who truly didn't deserve to be there. Now, let's continue on with the end of the film. Have mercy. Like you just had mercy on me? And you started our game just now? Pushing my button? Saving yourself? What? That's a fair Fair! Why was Edgar Munson free? He was a murderer, but you were protecting him because he was your criminal informant years ago. And you let him walk free. Edgar Munson killed my wife. You don't, you don't know that. It's never been proven. This won't bring your family back. John, 
Okay, I love that last little line there. You have a choice. Scream or don't. And this truly is what separating him from the greatness that is Jigsaw, right? And then the same thing happened in Saw 5, 6, and 7, where the police officer Stram, I believe it was his name, uh, he kind of got in over his head with the whole thing because he thought he could be the next big thing. He didn't really learn from the teachings of Jigsaw either. Though here, it seems like in the situation with Logan, he has kind of learned some of the stuff because as we find out, he actually helped create some of the traps too. Seems like everybody, or he always has a ton of people that learn to do these fucking traps for some reason. He's created this weird jigsaw army that can just fucking continue off of him. And there is the quote that I missed from Eleanor. She says, jigsaw isn't necessarily a person. It's the people that follow him, right? That carry on his legacy and this is kind of where we get it here is that he is carrying on the legacy of jigsaw by still creating the same type of moral dilemma games that are going on but honestly like in terms of fuckahan here he's right Jigsaw would at least still give them a way to win where in this situation there is absolutely no reason to win but of course, how are they not going to find out that Logan is the one that did this? Well, Logan managed to set up a way to have an alibi to clean his tracks. Some will think it's Jigsaw. Some will suspect you. But no one will suspect me. Okay, we need to bring him in. Now! Because Eleanor will provide my alibi. Ten years ago, I came out of the war a broken man. Jigsaw put the pieces of my life back together again. He gave my life purpose. We can never come from anger or from vengeance. You taught me that. But then there will be no justice. Ah, but there will. Because we'll speak for the dead. Together, we build a legacy. Now I speak for the lives ruined by people like you. Murderers, rapists, their victims appeared on my table because of you. See, I absolutely love the way that this is going because everything has been set up really, really well if you've been paying attention to everything in the movie. And especially after going through it a second time when I was grabbing the audio, I really appreciated the way that this film was written because everything is meticulously planned by um, Logan here. See, he was like grooming Eleanor he it from what I can infer he's the one that gave her the ideas for all the stuff he is one of the ones that found her on jigsaw is my homeboy dot dark web right he basically knew everything about her before she knew anything about him that's how he got her as an assistant he knew who she was because he got the research done he's the one that provided her with all the plans he's the one that provided her with 
the probably some of the memorabilia that she has sitting up in that one room but not necessarily everything that she's got there right but he knew he knew how to use her to make sure that his game worked properly instead of you know I guess maybe her contact was local and didn't know that it was actually him. So it's really fucking cool the way that they've set this like completely up and how meticulous he he was in getting this all basically to get himself cleared. So of course he goes and he starts ticking down the timer for the laser cutters to go through his head. Uh, well, fuck a hand's head. And he finally gets his last part of revenge on him by having the lasers cut through his face. And then the effect here, like I said, this is the second coolest fucking effect in this film. Because his head just opens up like a flower and like petals out. And then he falls to the ground dead. And that's when... We get the last line of the movie, and just like in the original Saw, and a lot of the other ones, he closes the door, and the movie itself finishes up. I speak for the dead. So there you have it, that's Jigsaw. Now, I'm going to tell you, I thoroughly fucking enjoyed this movie. Like, it is probably up there with the ones that, you know, I really love. And I'm going to go through this really quick before I give my final thoughts on this film. Uh, But my favorite in order, like, I'm going to do this ranking these all, including this movie, into the list. And you'll tell how much I love this movie. Uh, The least favorite, of course, is 3D, which is the seventh. Then it's followed by Saw 5. I wasn't a big fan of it. I thought 6 was better because the game was actually pretty cool because everything was, like, a group type thing. uh, And what the guy was doing... um, you know, with all the business people and everything. Saw 3 then comes after that. Then it's Saw 2. Okay, Saw 2 is my fourth, now fourth favorite Saw film. Uh, which is followed up by Saw 4. Saw 4 is now my third. Jigsaw is officially my second favorite Saw film out of the entire franchise. And Saw, of course, is the best one of them all. Just because of its originality for the time that it came out. There are so many just really cool things with this film. The traps look great. The deaths are relatively good for the most part. I think the only effect that's probably the worst out of all of them is Mitch's body when he comes out of that machine. But I like the design of the fucking trap. I thought it was really cool. The way that he dies is just not as cool. The effect where uh, Ryan's leg gets taken off looks really great. 
The effect of the acid is great. You have the head that's chopped off with the practical uh, makeup that's sitting out there. I love that. And if that's not practical, then goddamn, it looked really good even for CGI. Uh, The flowering effect at the end is really fucking cool. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. My, I just like smiled. I'm like, okay, it's not necessarily a torture porn. It's not like killing them to kill them and to be like, oh, this is the way. It kind of reminded me of the first Saw film in that regard. And I think that's why I liked it so much. I'm not saying this is the highest caliber of film that you can find out there. But at the same time, I think you can't go wrong with fucking Jigsaw. It's just fun it's really entertaining it sounded like tobin bell was having a lot of fun reprising his role again as jigsaw slash john kramer you have logan here who the actor is just mediocre but when he turned i'm like especially when you see how he was acting towards the end of the film i thought that was great I thought he did an excellent job with that. The lady that played Eleanor, who is really kind of an unknown... I mean, everybody, to me, in this film is an unknown. And if I should know them from some place, please tell me where I should know them from. Because they did such a well job. The only people I don't really like in terms of their acting is Junkie Girl Who Dies Right Away. I just thought that's so cliche, and it was just kind of shitty. And Mitch, I wasn't a very big fan of him. And even Fuckahan, man, he could have been better. He sounded a little bored in the beginning of the film. Like he was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to be gruff police guy, but not really have anything or umph to my character, right? It was fine for what it was, but it wasn't what I expected it to be. And I was really worried about this film because, you know, you look at cinema ratings and cinema scores and how the audience, re- you know, reacts to it. And some people favor favorably, but there were others that weren't so favorably. But, uh, you know, the one guy that is in love with this franchise um, and who I recommended last week, and that was Black Cat Shadows podcast, to listen to the, the writer, one of the writers of the film. Uh, and that's Phantom Dark Dave. He like had glowing reveals for this and he's been asking me to talk with him about it and i've never gotten a chance to see it so this was kind of a present both for me and for him uh and for the listeners as well uh it's it's such a good film it just in general like i could i wish i had seen this in the theaters i wish i had experienced it with a full audience uh i would have so much i don't know if i'd have better things to say but the fact that i could enjoy this even just watching it on my home tv it says leaps and bounds about the movie and that's one of the reasons why i suggested at the beginning of the podcast you go ahead and pause it and you watch it first uh, because i just think it's a really well done film is it a masterpiece is it a good like you know would you would i consider it to be a good film no 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 it's it's still not it's I don't want to call it like a guilty pleasure because I'm kind of getting to the point in my life where there's really no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Either you love it, you shouldn't feel guilty about what you like, you should just enjoy what the fuck you like. If you like fucking wrestling, enjoy fucking wrestling. If you like bad horror movies, enjoy bad fucking horror movies. If you like New Kids on the Block, make sure that you hide it from everybody you fucking know because nobody needs to know that you like Donnie Wahlberg, okay? Uh, even if he is in the second fucking Saw movie, and at least he dies in one of the other ones. I'm not going to tell you which one, but he does. Uh, it's it's just such a, a breath of fresh air to the franchise. 
it's well directed it's well written even though there are a couple things that i'm kind of like "Mm, you know about but i'm so surprised that i like this this much like i'm even going through this podcast again like with the process that I do this, you would think, oh God, by the third time that you're, especially you're listening to the clips, you're fucking talking about, I like it even more. It's amazing. And in fact, I'm probably going to shut this podcast off after I finish recording and maybe go watch it again. Uh, I just enjoyed it that much. So, uh, what do I rate this film? Uh, and again, if I forgot something I said, oh, I'm going to talk about it later, please remind me what I was supposed to fucking talk about. Just like Ben reminded me that I should have added the fucking choir boy speech to the, uh, other ones. And we'll do a, a corrections and omissions type thing at the beginning of every episode. And I'll apologize for what I fucking forgot to say. But anyway, uh, what do I rate the film? Uh, for gore, it's a 5 out of 5. I mean, there are some really good gore effects. There's one bad one. Maybe two bad ones. Uh, but it's very good. And I didn't realize it was going to... Like, they held back the language, but brought the gore. It was really weird. Like, I really would have been fine with Fuckahan saying motherfucker, but he cuts it off. So, I, I don't know. But yet, they swore at other times, too. So, I don't know what they were fucking doing in those things. Maybe it was something just about the character that they didn't have to worry about. Uh, Crap Factor, 3 out of 5. It's got some bad acting. I wasn't too fan of the guy that played Keith. <clears throat> and even, like I said, with Fuckahan, you know... There were just some times, especially towards the beginning, where it was kind of like, I was really worried that the acting was going to be bad. And even with Logan, I thought it was going to be bad. But then it makes me feel like it was a really good character choice to have him act like that. Because the moment, that ending, when he fucking turns and he's fucking telling everything, I love it. 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 Uh, It's so good. Um but uh and then the fun factor this is a four out of five it doesn't quite get a five out of five um because there's still a couple of things that are a little confusing here and there and it does drag in a couple little places but not by much it also has an excellent fucking runtime. okay with credits it's like an hour and 30 minutes and it's a little less than that it's like i think the whole movie is like an hour and 25 so you get like five minutes of credits and that's great because it's perfect. It tells the story in a perfect amount of time. It brings a twist. I thought it was longer than it actually was, even though I was getting into it. Because I'm like, oh, it's about to end. And then there's 30 minutes left. Holy shit, you've been able to cram this much crap within just that first hour, and I still have another 30 minutes? That's fucking great. That's a sign that I liked your fucking movie, and I think that you were well. I mean, who knows with these people out there, if the writer ever hears my podcast or, you know, directors or whatever, they give a shit what I have to say. But I think that they crafted a very good movie that even if you weren't, if you were just a horror fan and never really saw a Saw movie before, this would still be a very fucking enjoyable movie. So if you haven't already, make sure you check out the Black Hat Shadows podcast episode with the one of the writers of jigsaw and i think that you'll be very pleasantly surprised it's a very interesting conversation and it really adds a lot to the viewing of this film i had actually listened to that way before uh i'd even saw this and like it really kind of understood helped me understand where he wanted to go with it because this truly is a reboot right you've got him officially jigsaw is dead and logan is gonna be jigsaw or they're gonna spread it out and it's really about spreading out his message rather than 
the actual person. It's like, um, God, I can't remember what the film is, but they said, you know, <laughs> I guess you could say it's like Star Wars. I, it's not the film I was thinking about, but you can think about, you know, with Obi-Wan and when he tells Vader, if you strike me down, I'm going to be greater than I actually am. And that's kind of the way that this works, too, is that, you know, he can die, but his legacy is going to live on because there's people that are going to carry it on, one, and that he's stronger because of those people. And basically kind of like a, well, Jigsaw's a Jedi ghost, okay? So we'll probably see more of him. Uh, They're already talking about a sequel to Jigsaw, which I think will be great, as long as they don't go the way of Saw 5, 6, and 7. Please do not go that way. Learn from your mistakes. Uh, you don't have to do this timeline thing where you're old and new. It can be all new. He carries it on. He does what it does. But if he tries, you try to make it like too convoluted, then it, it it's going to be bad. Um, so, as always, um, you can hear the cat uh, saying that we've got to go to bed and that... Uh, it's uh you also want to follow the podcast on twitter t underscore t underscore podcast facebook terrible terror podcast you can find us up there you can also find uh on instagram terrible terror podcast you can find us on the horror amino app uh i'll be up on there um you know some things i'm trying to do the other thing that i want to try to start using is the stardust app you can follow me there uh, if you've never used stardust before it's basically kind of like a reactions app so like uh listener patrick uh he he did a reaction video not on stardust but he did one for the xfl coming back right and uh, if you wanted to, you could actually do that on the Stardust app. And it's meant to be like little quick things, and you can use the hashtags, and you can find people with similar liking stuff. So I'm going to try to use that, because I always try to do a, like a long review when I see something in the theaters, if I feel like I need to do it. But instead of doing it on like Periscope, I'm going to do a quick one on the Stardust app instead. So you can follow me there. It's Terrible Terror Podcast. Make sure you listen to that episode of the Black Cat Podcast. And because he always shouts me out at the end of every episode of his podcast, Go listen to Angry Dad Podcast. Be to the fourth power on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that fun stuff. uh, Because he fucking likes his podcast. I fucking like his podcast. uh, Because, you know, he tells it like it is. And, of course, every fucking episode he gives me a nice shout out. So, um, I'm going to give a shout out uh, at the end of this one. uh, And I will correct the goddamn thing next time. But if you, again... You find anything that you want to correct, you can either let me know, DMs or whatever, or email me, terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for this episode. Oh, no, wait, there's one more thing that we have to do that I totally forgot, and I was just going to end the episode. Why, what are we watching for next time? I can't believe that I left this all the way to the end, and I was about to say goodbye and about to turn it off. But no... Okay, so the next film, I have two films on the docket. One is going to come from a Facebook fan, and we're going to do that in the second of the month. Um, and we'll do that at the end of uh, that episode. You'll find out what that one is. But for that Facebook listener, you know exactly what movie you wanted, and you're going to get it um, just having trouble getting it for myself. So instead, in the meantime, um, we're going to bring on two uh, two actors that I love. Uh, have never been on this podcast before, and they're going to be on this podcast together. So we're going to look at the Denzel Washington classic, uh, Fallen, also starring John Goodman. Here's the trailer. 
Gregory's. Who's here? It's the brilliant detective who sealed my brutish fate. <laughs> Remember this, Hobbs? What goes around really goes around. You have a safe trip, yeah? Is on my side. Go ahead! Light up my life! Criminals like Reese, they kill a few people somehow, it ain't their fault. But what took place tonight is the consequences of what I do. You're home early today. What well, change? Detective John Hobbs wants to uncover the truth. What does Azazel mean? Now, my dictionary says that evil spirit of the wilderness... Walk away, Mr. Hobbs. But nothing in this world... ...is on my side. ...can help him solve this case. There are angels. Some of these angels were cast down, and a few of the fallen were punished by being deprived of form. Come on, get out of here! And each touch. And at the execution, did he try and touch you? Or... Yeah, he did, actually. Passes the soul of a killer into someone new. Well, I believe what I see, and I'm still trying to get my mind around what I just saw. Some things, pal, you shouldn't know. I know you, Hobbs. Put the gun down. I know who you are. Put the gun down! Is on my side. Hey, pal. My work is based upon evidence. And aren't your facts resistant to normal interpretation? Hey, Hobbs. You leave my family alone. But I'm still having fun. Denzel Washington. How do we fight him? Is it even possible? I believe it is. John Goodman. Josie, you know I didn't do this. I know that, Hobbs. Donald Sutherland. I know you know more than you're saying. <laughs> Haven't you done enough, huh? Time is on my side. Fallen. Yes, I know. It may not be the biggest, like, of the horror genre. Uh, it's definitely more of a thriller than anything else. But both movies that I'm going to do for February kind of fit within that mold, to be honest with you. The other one's not really much of a horror movie either. It's a little more of a thriller in my mind as well. So I thought, why not pair these two movies together? Because I've always wanted to talk about Fallen. And it has one of my favorite endings in film, like, ever. At least when I was growing up as a kid. Now, the warning is, is that I do have nostalgia glasses on this one. Because I loved it when it came out. And we'll see if I love it as much. Uh, but a little bit of a change of pace for the next two films. So... Uh, that's it then. You guys know the film that we're going to watch next time. Make sure that you watch Fallen. And uh, again, if there is anything that I missed or anything you felt that I glossed over a little bit too much, go ahead and tell me. And uh, we'll talk about it at the beginning of the next episode with some corrections and omissions. Okay? So, later. Later.